Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Complet, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Bruno! What's going on this Tuesday? How you doing? Made it through the NBA draft. I listened to the 5,000-part podcast you did with <laughs> Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo, attempting to understand what the Knicks were doing. As it was happening in real time. Very confusing. It was was a really fun, it was a fun series of podcasts to listen to as you guys chronicled through the NBA draft. Um, Of course, free agency is about to start this week in the NBA. We're going to get to all of the big stories. But one quick recap, now that there's been a couple of days to decompress from the NBA draft, and I know you've been on the phone a lot with people, what? What seems to be the biggest story out of draft night? Is it simply that the number one pick was Paolo Bancaro, which was so surprising to everybody that it sent everything else into motion after that? I mean, hell, you're looking at mock drafts, one and four, right? We didn't even make it to five before. All the mocks were virtually wrecked with Paolo going one and Keegan Murray going four. So was all the talk, I would imagine, about just the top of the draft and the way that played out? I think part of it's that for sure. Uh, Like some of the surprise, I guess, uh, at the top of the draft. But like also, I think there's people that are talking about how so much of the picture is incomplete. Like you mentioned, the Knicks and the confusion on draft night. Well, what are they going to do with that cap space? Uh, teams like the Pistons, they absorb a little bit of money. Or does that mean they get Jalen Duran? Does that mean now they're out on Aiton? And what does that mean for who are he's going to sign? Um, and also like with somebody like John Collins with the Hawks, there's a lot of talk about how he's going to be traded before draft night. He's out. He's out of there. He wants yep. out. 
Oh, then nothing happens. And now we still have some lingering Hawks Spurs stuff that's out there. And, you know, San Antonio could open cap space as well if they wanted to. If they were to move Murray, then they could be opening cap space and suddenly become a player in free agency for who knows? Bridges, Aiton, you never know. Um, so I think some of the talk is related to, well, that's what happened. What does it mean now, uh, considering the moves that we saw happen on draft night? Uh, but no, absolutely. So there is, you know, still some talk about, you know, the surprise up top. What did you think about it, Chris? Bancaro going to Orlando. Were you, or, or if you were a Rockets fan, would you be disappointed not getting Bancaro instead of Smith? What do you think about the top four? I would not be disappointed. I'm a Jabari Smith guy. Um, I would have taken him number one. I think, well, Becaro thought he was going to Houston. They all thought he was going to Houston. He didn't work out for Orlando. They thought that Houston's going to clean it up, which they had already moved out on Christian Wood. You know, they're going to, John Wall, now that's been uh, fixed. We'll see what happens with Kevin Porter Jr., who they had some problems with. But, I mean, like, that they were going to – that it was going to be those two guys, right, that they were going to have Jalen Green and they are going to have Paolo Bancaro and they're going to have Shen Goon and some of these other young guys and that they're going to move towards the future together. I think that Paolo and that whole group thought that he was going to be going to Houston. Um, And so, I mean, I think that – Everybody was surprised about the way it played out. If I'm Houston, though, I would not be disappointed at all. I think they got a guy that is a 100% sure fire, sure thing. There is absolutely no chance that Jabari Smith is not going to be good. None. He is skilled, he is huge, and he has a crazy motor. Like, those guys just don't fail. Now, is he going to be the best player out of the draft? We'll see. But I would be stunned if they didn't get a great player. And I do think that uh, in a league where shooting is at a premium, now you're just you're looking at it a little bit different. I, I don't think anybody should be disappointed. Look, you should only be disappointed if you didn't wake up after the draft and end up with Paolo Bancaro or Jabari Smith. <laughs> or, or, or how about or Chad Holmgren? Or, or even then, are you a little disappointed for OKC? I just don't, I don't look at Chet on the same way as I do the other two. Understood. I have him third behind them, too. Uh, yeah, I just board. have more questions, right? I have a very difficult time seeing the other two not being really good. And even though it's not a large percentage, like if you told me Chet was just okay as a pro, I I don't, if somebody had that opinion, I wouldn't think they were crazy. I mean, in fairness, it's not crazy to think, it's not fair for me to think anybody's crazy if they have an opinion about a guy ending up okay. Look, somebody's not hitting. Yeah, of course. It's like somebody's Ryan, not it's like, hitting. Somebody's not going to be what we think they are, right? Didn't Ryan say it on part six of eight on draft night that you know fifty percent of these guys are going to you know suck, right? Yeah. It's true. It's just, it's just the truth. Half of them are going to suck. Not maybe not the top four, but in you know the top thirty players or so. Yeah, and we very rarely have a situation where all of them 
end up being good, even at the top five yeah. level, right? Well, even even then, though, I mean, you say Jabari Smith is probably going to end up really good. Paolo has a game built to last a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, even, even the worst case of Paolo Bancaro, you know, healthy, he'll be in the league a long time. Chet, you know, I think the injuries, you're right. But even then, Chris, he's still going to be someone who's a lob threat. He's still going to have a length around the rim. He's at least going to be able to have a long career if healthy. Keegan Murray at number four, he has a game built to last a long time too. Knockdown shooter, versatile defender. I mean, there's a foundation for him to have a long career. So the the top might have long careers. It's just a matter of the upside. It's, you know, I think at least this year after that, because even with Keegan Murray, well, I, th- I thought it was a little, I mean, you love Jaden Ivey, but I thought that the reaction to the Kings taking Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey not necessarily on our pod, but like just in the overall NBA universe, I thought it was a bit much, uh, the response to Keegan Murray. I honestly don't think it was about, this is my opinion, I don't think it was as much about Keegan Murray as a player as it was the value of that pick and that it is that player. So the why pot- you, Like the potential not, of that player, you mean? Like the, the upside of that player? Yeah, for, why could you not get something from Detroit, why could you not get something from somebody that coveted that pick? Even the guy, even the guys right behind you. You know what I'm saying? I think that because Ivy was there on the board, and then once Keegan Murray went off, it was an absolute sure thing what Detroit was going to do. I think that, I think it's just the way you played it is the more surprising thing to people. Not necessarily a demerit on Murray as much as how you played that out. We don't know all the offers, though. We don't know all the details. So we and, don't and know look, what was look, out there. It's like I said. Um, I, I said this the whole time, and I don't feel any differently after draft night. If I were a GM, I would have taken Smith and I would have taken Ivy, and I'd have lived with it. Like, those are the two guys that I would have been scared not to draft that I would think, like, this could get me fired. Because I just, I don't foresee a situation where they're not spectacular. That kind of elite level of athleticism, you know. And Smith's already an outstanding defender that tries every possession. Like, those guys, I mean, to me, are camp misses. Camp misses. Yeah. And, the, and the Ivy thing is, I mean, you watch those tapes and it's like, you can even pull them up on YouTube and there's times where you're watching it and you're going, there are nine guys that are going one speed and one dude that's going at a totally different speed than everybody else. He'd grab balls off the rim. He's at the other end finishing and there were nine guys between him and the other goal. It's freaky, freaky stuff. And so I just think that gives you such an advantage when you get to the next level. I don't know. That's just where I stand on it. I mean, it may end up being wrong. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Like, it, it's like, it, it's just silly because all the talk on draft night, understandably so, Ivy is clearly the higher upside looking player for all the reasons they're staying. The explosiveness, the flashes, like he could be insane. He could be an unbelievable player. He could be an all-star. Keegan Murray is more like, hey, he's good. Yeah, he's good. You know, upper solid. Yeah, yeah, he's solid. 
Yeah. But, but but like sometimes those guys end up continuing to get better too. Or in the right context, what they offer is vitally important to winning basketball. And with Keegan Murray, I, I feel like he's a safer, a safer, really good player than Ivy's a, a, a really good player. You know what I mean? Like Ivy is higher upside, but there's a higher percent chance that Keegan Murray is really good for really long and a winning situation than Jaden Ivy is. I think is that fair? Is that fair to say? Like, do you know what I mean by that? Yes. I mean, to me... So I get it for the Kings from that perspective because it's not like he doesn't have theoretical upside as a late bloomer. Right. Could end up being an extremely good player in the NBA. I'm not not down on Keegan Murray. Yeah, it's just just not as high. The highs of Ivy, right? Yes. You know, with what he could become as a lead guard in your offense. I think there's a lot more superstars that or big-time star players that look like Ivy than look like Murray. That's what I'd say. We'll, we'll see. It, it'll be really interesting with Keegan Murray. I, I look forward to seeing if he's able to quickly show why he was the right pick. Like in summer league, at least, I mean, short-term returns and all that. We'll see well, what he does over the I mean, he season. just got drafted into hell. So yeah, I'd, even whatever player he was going to be. I am rooting for Keegan Murray is my point. Because I, sure. thought, I thought the draft night reaction was a bit too strong. It, it made it seem like, A, Ivy is a surefire star. He is not. He's not. Ivy needs to improve as a shooter. He needs to improve as a decision maker. And he very well might. He's in an amazing situation next to Cade Cunningham. It's a great system that preaches defense. I mean, that could be really good for him. But also, don't underrate Keegan Murray here. Just, just right. Kate, don't underrate Keegan Murray. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we got a lot of news to get to. So last year, in the first 48 hours of free agency, there were roughly 120 new contracts and extensions that were signed in the first 48 hours. So we are about to hit a blizzard of activity coming Mm -hmm. up later in the week. But yesterday and today, there's been a bunch of news that has come out. So let's just hit it one by one. First thing is all of the drama with, KD and Kyrie, and then all this reporting surrounding it. By the time it got to lunchtime yesterday, I thought Kyrie Irving uh, really might do the most insane thing I can remember, which is opting out of $30 million, basically, to go play with the Lakers. It was all so crazy. But Kyrie Irving with the... His uh, statements, actions, et cetera, over the course of the past couple of years, I think led people to believe that if anyone was capable of doing the outlandish, that it very well might be him. So anybody else, you'd be like, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. Whereas there's at least a shred of, yo, is he really going to do this? (laughs) Because you don't know. He might be capable of something that other guys aren't. So you have. 
that. And maybe Kyrie Irving's going to be a Laker, even though they can't really find a sign and trade deal. He could opt out. And then, oh my God, KD could be on the move then too. And then Sean Marks got a total disaster on his hands. And then by, I don't know, mid-afternoon, it's reported that Kyrie Irving uh, is picking up the option to be in Brooklyn. Uh, and now what? I guess they're going to go in with uh, Durant, Irving, and Simmons. Do you think all that is just done now? This morning, it seems like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see if uh, we'll see if things change in the coming week or two with potential sign and trade or not sign and trade scenarios, but now opt in in trade scenarios since he did opt in. There's still a possibility of an extension as well. Um, there was reports this morning from Sham Sharani about how those extension talks went with the Irving sides uh, asking for some short-term incentive-based deals and the Nets declining those before he ended up opting in. So there were negotiations happening on a short-term deal, and it seems like, according to Shams, Kyrie is now in a position where he wants to opt in and win and prove himself as a true full, you know, five-year Supermax player for this coming season. And, uh, I mean, we'll see about that because I'll tell you what, Chris, on paper, if you think about the Brooklyn Nets, they're, they're, the paths they could have went this summer or still could go this summer, one of them is, you know, you bring back Kyrie with Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and you do what you wanted to do. With, you know, and reshape the team around them with the role players and all that. Maybe you bring back Claxton on a two-year deal. Maybe you bring back Bruce Brown and so on. The other path was you trade Kevin Durant for the greatest return in NBA history. And you have some other team's entire set of draft picks and you're going young. You're building a new team around Ben Simmons and maybe you're still pretty good. And that's not, that's actually not the worst thing in the world. But the path they went, though, is a quicker path to a championship. And I still think, like I said at the time of that, trade for Ben Simmons. I still think with Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Kevin Durant, that team could be awesome. Like you could see the best version of Ben Simmons ever playing with a guard like Kyrie Irving. I still think that. Like those teams their ability to play some small ball with Katie and Ben Simmons in the front court. It could be nuts, dude. It could be a great team on paper. It just feels like a NBA 2K fantasy at this point than it does something that could be amazing in reality considering all of the issues that everybody knows about with all of those respective players. It just seems too unrealistic to ever be a championship team. And yet on paper, uh, I'd love to see them run it back for one more year. Those guys haven't played enough together. Katie and Kyrie, that is. And obviously with Ben Simmons, they haven't played together at all. I'd love to see it happen. I can only imagine how those incentive-based talks went. Like, Sean Marks is probably sitting across being like, uh, wait, what? We're, we're going to pay you more for playing basketball? Is, is that what we're doing? Or are we going to, do we need to pay you more if you're going to play games for us? Like, that's what the 36 million bucks is for. Like, well, we got to give you more money to incentivize you to play. Like, you don't, you don't play. When is the last time? Like, all right, fine. How about this? We'll give you a, we'll give you a five million more bucks if you pay seventy games. Like, what are the odds of that? Like, one in a billion. Well, let me let me read what it was. So his stepmom is his agent, and and Shams wrote here. Um, 
The Nets and Chatelli O'Reilly Irving worked through various proposals, including a two-year max extension that included incentives based on games played, as well as a four-year max that included two years guaranteed and triggers for years three and four based on the games played in years one and two. And those, to be clear, those are from the Nets side. And then Shams writes, citing sources, Irving showed a willingness to accept an incentive-based deal before a final counter was made to the Nets, a short-term contract extension protecting both sides with a player option. Brooklyn declined. That's what Shams wrote uh, this morning on The Athletic. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, Brooklyn sitting at the table and saying, we're not paying you unless you play is totally reasonable. Right? Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Like, hey, we're paying you $36 million already next year. You just picked up that option. If we're going to do an extension, I mean, which is just crazy. Do you think anybody else has this discussion with their players? All right, hey, understandably, we will pay you what you want, but we want on our side just some level of protection if you don't play because you just might not play for us. You could even carve out, I'd even carve out like injury. (laughs) I'd even carve out injury. Just if you don't play, but if you just don't play because you leave or whatever, then we don't have to pay you this contract, right? He's like, if you just, if you just decide, hey, I'll I'll be back in a couple of weeks, like we don't have to pay you for this. Um, What a mess. But anyway, It, it really, it really is a mess, man. It's too bad. Well, what do you make of the whole DeAndre Ayton thing, though? So, for those that don't know, yesterday it sent shockwaves through NBA Twitter because it's reported that DraftKings Nation had moved up odds and all of a sudden DeAndre Ayton, the second best odds to acquire DeAndre Ayton were the Brooklyn Nets. And so, of course, we were on the text thread and we're talking like, oh, my God, is this the KD deal? What are they moving? Are they moving Aiton? Are they moving Bridges? Are they moving draft picks? Like, my God, is is Kyrie not going to, is he really going to do that Laker crap? And now KD might be going to the Suns or, and so you're, you're figuring out like, why, why would Aiton's odds change so drastically to where, where he could be a net? And then we have all the Kyrie news come out. And it's like, okay, they're running it back in Brooklyn. And I, I, what do we make of the Aiton thing? Like, what happened there? Do you think that that was something that was talked about in the case? That the other stuff fell through? Or is that possibly still out there? I That was strange. It might have just been a reaction to rumblings around, you know, NBA circles about if, Kyrie were to opt out or demand mm. a trade, and if Kevin Durant were to ma- to demand a trade, there were some rumblings about who's at the top of Kevin Durant's list, and that team that was often cited was the Phoenix Suns. And I, I don't think that necessarily means a whole lot because Kevin Durant's list wouldn't have mattered. It just doesn't. The Nets would take the best offer from the 28 teams that they would accept offers from, and that includes everybody but the Knicks. So uh, I don't think it really matters too much, but my guess would be that it was a reaction to some of those conversations happening around the league. 
And 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 maybe maybe it's more than that. Maybe the maybe the Nets are going for eight and then free agency in a sign and trade scenario where they send out Claxton in a double sign and trade or 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 some type of salary and their future picks that they got in the Harden deal. Maybe that's what it is. But I haven't heard anything at all about that. Um, about them landing him in that form. I think it was. I think the odds moving was merely a reaction to do some of the talk around the league, and that's it. Does anybody you talk to think Aiton's going to be a son? There's still some people who think that's a possibility after Detroit uh, got Duran in the draft and lost a little bit of cap space. So there's still some talk about that. However, um, definitely still a lot of speculation about that. And there's also the possibility of sign and trades. I mean, there's always sign and trade possibilities, which you can't, which means you can't rule out anybody. Yeah. I wonder if somebody's going to sign into an offer sheet, right? Yeah. I mean, that's happening. And then at that point, do you think there's any chance that the plan is somebody signs him to an offer sheet and then the Suns just match that? And that way they're not on the hook for what is the full amount that they that he, that he would want when they were trying to sign an extension with them. Because we know the Suns are capable of getting him on a longer contract than other teams are but that doing it this way this would make the employee very upset <laughs> but the it's idea business. is okay go sign the offer sheet we're on the hook for less money doing it that way which certainly would not be out of the realm of possibility when you're talking about a team that is owned by robert sarver for now for now yeah i mean we'll see how that plays out yeah i mean i think with Aiden, yeah there's a chance he ends up staying in phoenix yeah, yeah. There is. Definitely there is. But at the same time, for the Suns, I'm curious, Chris, do you think that they, should they be pursuing sign-and-trade scenarios with Aiton here? Is it is it advantageous for them to do that? Or should is it as simple as bringing back Aiton, who's been such an important defensive stabilizer and screener and finisher at the rim for you the last two years? I mean, I think, yes, you pursue the sign-and-trades if you don't want him on your team anymore. So that way you don't lose him for for nothing. On the other hand, if you don't have the good sign and trade scenarios, then you do just re-sign him. You can still trade him. You can't lose the asset for nothing. That's the one thing that cannot happen in the situation. So you, A, yes, pursue all sign and trades if you're willing to just part ways and you don't want to pay him what he wants. That being said, in the case that you can't find a good deal, you just you just resign him. And then you figure it out from there. But you cannot lose that asset for nothing. That would be insane. That's the one thing that would be insane in the situation. So yeah, yeah. to your question, yeah, pursue every sign and trade. That way he gets, you know, you might be able to get something really good back in a sign-and-trade deal. And if you can't and teams are not willing to do that, then you just you just re-sign them. And in fact, I think you send that message out to everybody. Like, yo, you better pony up because if you don't, like, you're not, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere, like, unless we trade him somewhere. End of story. And I do think that, that you would have big leverage then. And then you could get a real bidding war.
amongst teams. Otherwise, yeah, you just sign him and you figure it out after that. But you can't, you can't lose it for nothing. Why is there all this DeJounte Murray smoke? You know, I, I listened to the draft podcast you did, and you were effusive in your praise and kind of like the young core that they got going in San Antonio, got some pieces you really like. And then this story has just been a constant over the course of the past you know, three, four days about DeJounte Murray. The Hawks have been included as a possibility with that. Like, DeJounte Murray had a great season last season, for sure. What's the deal there? I mean, I'll be honest with you, Chris. I'm I'm shocked that the reaction is as strong as it is. Why would they not be pursuing DeJounte Murray trades is my question. He has two years left on his contract. He's a clutch client. In 2024, a number of teams can end up pursuing him. So you're you're trying to gauge the market on a player two years before he hits unrestricted free agency rather than one year ahead of his restricted free agency. It, to me, it makes complete logical sense to, to be having those discussions, especially if the return, as has been reported by Jake Fisher, is indeed a Drew Holiday-like package, which means three-plus first-round draft picks, possibly a player involved. I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't be entertaining deals like that. Well, because he's really Antonio good. Spurs. Yeah, but he only has two years left, and you talk about losing a guy for nothing. Uh, what, what threat? What? There's a major threat of you're San Antonio, and this clutch client is going to have re- be recruited all around the entire NBA in 2024. Never mind teams that have cap space. There's sign-and-trade scenarios that could end up forcing him into different places for that matter either. And also, I mean, I think for Murray here, great player, made an all-star team. But if you're the Spurs, again, Chris, two years left. What's wrong with spinning it forward and getting a whole bunch of draft picks in return and possibly a young player in return too? I, I, I just, I like DeJounte Murray a lot. He's not an untouchable. So you just think step backwards is fine? For the Spurs? Yeah. Yeah. Because sure. I mean, I think some yeah. people thought that they could be a player, whether it's trade or free agency. They could be to, to improve their team. They could be, and that could be part of it. I mean, the, the way for them, if they want to open up thirty-five plus million dollars in cap space, they can. And they can get there a number of different ways. One of them would be, you know, rescinding Lonnie Walker's free agent rights, and they could do that easily. Uh, another one would to even open up more cap space would be saying goodbye to DeJounte Murray and having a three-team trade with Atlanta, sends Murray to Atlanta, Gallinari's salary to a third team, or John Collins to a third team, and then suddenly the Spurs are ha- have $50 million in cap space, and maybe they're sending offer sheets and making big signings, and they have draft picks and a strong, you know, deep, young roster. So I think for San Antonio... I hear that, you know, I, I haven't heard anything super concrete involving Murray, you know, trade talks, but the fact that they're at least having those discussions, to me, that makes me wonder, okay, if they're doing this, what do they want to do with their cap space? Or would they be absorbing even more money in order to get even more draft picks? How much does that close the gap for uh, like teams with OKC in New Orleans in terms of how much ammo they have for big trades? So, so it's, so I'm, it's ju- just I'm just a, intrigued. Like they're, they're, I like that they're having these discussions. I so do. it's just a short-term rebuild. Pop says to hell with it, and Quinn Snyder's the Spurs coach. 
I don't know. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you got to imagine that. I don't, even, I don't not, even think, I don't even think Pac's it really not going to sit around to coach a crap team again. You know what I mean? At, at this point, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that he would want to be there for, a, you know, if you're going to do a reset. Maybe, maybe they get a good return. Do you think Murray is a good fit with Trey Young? Trey's pretty ball dominant. I don't know. I don't know how many times do I have to hammer the same point with Trey? Like he's got to play off ball. Simple mm-hmm. as that. It's really as simple as that. He needs to. He needs to. Be, he's a such a good shooter. If he can lean into it off screens and handoffs, then yes, he can play with Dejounte Murray. But that's right. Trey Young's decision. And you know the fact both of those guys are clutch clients, they're friends. You would think Trey would have a willingness to share the ball with a guy like Dejounte Murray, but you know who knows. All right. John Wall um, gets a buyout with the Rockets, sacrifices a little money. I think it was $6 million I read uh, in order to do it. Clippers. Yeah, within two seconds, it comes out with the Clippers. I, th- I thought that this was, <laughs> I thought you weren't allowed to do this. I don't know. What, what, what are our rules, Chris? Well, might have cost the Bucks Bogdanovich once upon a time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I would I would have thought that teams were a little more frightened about this, especially when, you know, there was all the hullabaloo about the Kyle Lowry and whatnot last year. Uh, Lonzo Ball, right? That one was out there as, you know, teams having problems with it. And so this is the kind of thing where it's like, well, hold on now. Like, yeah, he got bought out, but uh, <laughs> how has he already figured out where he's going? Uh, <laughs> so not, if you're Adam Silver, not not great, but it's either here or there. I don't think that there is going to be a monster, monster market for Mr. Wall. That being said, I'll tell you what, Kev, um, there's a lot of injury, what could happen here. Uh, risk, but you think about that Clippers team healthy. Even if Wall is not, you know, best version of John Wall, if he's just solid, you know, I've talked about in the past about can he be the kind of guy that moves into the Derrick Rose portion of career? In fact, I think that's a reasonable model is the Derrick Rose model, who is still an incredibly effective winning player uh, right now. John Wall, Reggie Jackson, Norm Powell, Luke Kennard, Paul George, Robert Covington, Kawhi, the Morris twin, Zubach, Batum. I mean, God, that's a hell of a roster, man. That is a hell of a roster. I still believe in John Wall. I kind of do too. And this, I think this is the, the perfect, yeah, absolutely perfect scenario. And, and the reason why is because it's so much easier to envision him in that type of role than like Russ, the failure of Russ and with the Lakers. With John Wall, he has shot 38% on catch and shoot threes throughout his entire career, slightly above, above average, right? So you know he can play off of Kawhi and Paul George successfully. He's been an attentive cutter, and you know, in certain scenarios, sometimes he's hand on his knees and he's super lazy and he doesn't move. That was prime John Wall when he wasn't moving off ball. But I'd love to see him when he's actually, in, you know, attentively 
focusing off ball. He's shown he, he can with Kawhi and George. Maybe we'll see that more often. And then defensively, I mean, who knows what level he's going to be. We, it's like such a wild card. We don't know. But at least you know he can pass the ball. At least you know he can spot up and shoot. And you hope he's going to be attentive off ball playing with those other guys as well because they're going to have the ball in their hands a ton, obviously. Yeah, like all the stuff he's not good at, he doesn't have to do it. Yeah, he, he doesn't need to carry <laughs> right? the load like, anymore. I mean, okay, you need to uh, – if there's just so little pressure on you when those are your two wings. Oh, there's a guard that's busting our ass. Okay, now Kawhi guards him. Oh, Paul George guards him. I'm hiding you over here, right? Like all of the things like that. So that's on the defensive end. On the offensive end, the guy is a great passer. He don't have to score for that team, right? Just keep the ball moving. Just set the table. Run the high pick and rolls. Set the table for everybody. Every once in a while, attack the basket. And he hadn't played in forever. He should be healthier now. He should, maybe we'll get an Al Horford, you know, uh, renaissance. It really is amazing how much we haven't seen John Wall since 2019. It's incredible. Or is it really was it even 2018 when the injury happened? Uh, no, I saw I saw him in Houston a couple of times. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying we haven't really seen him since then. Yeah, it was yeah. De- it was December 26, 2018. When he got hurt with the Wizards, that was his last game. And then he played only 40 games with Houston. So we've only seen him play 40 games in 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022 so far. Only 40 games. Wow. Last time I saw him in person, he still had like real burst. But again, I haven't seen him forever. And I'm saying that's when he was playing with the Rockets. And I'm like, man, he looks good. Like, he can really, he can still, like, blow past guys. It, I do feel a lot like the Rose scenario, which is can you be, like, Derrick Rose is a totally reasonable guy to have in your guard rotation that could really be helpful. And so kind of move into that savvy veteran stage of your career the guy was immensely talented. And yeah, it's never going to be all NBA guy again, but you could be super solid and helpful guy again. I uh, if, I think it's a good get for the Clippers for sure. And I think it's a great situation for him. I am unsurprised that that would be the pairing. Because you still got Reggie Jackson. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know how, and you mentioned Westbrook. It's reported this morning that he has opted in into his forty-seven million dollars. Oh, what? Do you know how tough of a decision that must have been? <laughs> forty-seven million dollars. That's wild. how much do you think they kept him up at night to decide to do that? Uh, less how much, than how much Skip did he Bayless. agonize? N- less than him beating beating Skip Bayless's ass kept him up at night. He wants to beat up Skip Bayless so bad. Yeah, no, that, that was something else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's mad at Skip Bayless. This is just me. There's the Westbrook stuff. Not that bad. It's a, it's a little overblown. They film, out, they film out there? Is, 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 is Bayless out do. there? I believe they do, yeah. Westbrook feels like the kind of guy that would like be outside the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Westbrook now, bitch. <laughs> is it really worth being outside the studio over that, though? I mean, yeah. not to mention, I mean, what, you know, I mean, you're going to beat the hell. Bad. 
I mean, Skip Bayless was like 60-something years old, didn't he? 70. 70. No! Yeah. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Skip Bayless is not 70. He's 70. He turns, I, se- he turns 71 later this year. December 4th, 1951, according to Wikipedia. That's wild! I had no idea. And then you got Draymond Green ranting for 40 minutes on oh. his podcast about a guy ranting on TV and Skip Bayless and, you know, yep. and all that. that They're all mad was, at him. That, that Draymond Paul was something. Did you watch that or listen I to did. that? Yeah. I listened to it. Yeah, he, uh, he went that off. That act's going to get old, like the just bitching about everybody. Yeah. I understand it, right? But, I mean, it will get. At some point, that teeters out, right? Um, I personally would rather hear about like the, just my opinion. I think what athletes can bring to the table is like, yes, the behind the scenes stuff, locker room stuff. And also like, okay, here's how we flip the series. I would have been much more interested in that than giving a shit what Skip Bayless said on TV. Yeah, I mean, I I understand to an extent that you can't can't be talking about certain stuff like that, but at the same time, there was something Draymond said on that podcast. He said a bunch of talking heads and they just talk, 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 talk. But what what about actually getting back to actually analyzing the game? What about explaining the game of basketball? What's going on and what that means? I'd love to hear that from Draymond. (laughs) This was in the midst of a 45-minute podcast where he was talk, 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 talk. Yeah, I mean, I... (laughs) I feel right. like like, okay. Dray- like we know how smart Draymond is oh. as, a, as a as a player. He is a computer brain. He's one of the smartest defensive players in recent league history. He he keeps that team connected. He energizes that team. No question. I would love that the title of that video was Dre rants on Skip Bayless, Kendrick Perkins, <laughs> and media accountability. Well titled. You know, that's a perfect title. Yeah. It is accurate. It makes waves for sure. I, I would love to see the volume publish a video that says Draymond explains the evolution of pick and roll defense. Draymond on how Russ needs to adapt to thrive with the Lakers. Draymond Green and Steph Curry explain their top five plays together. I'd love to see some like Draymond style, like Kobe with his detail show, you know, voiceover, highlighting, you know, explaining in depth what's happening in plays how the Warriors have changed their pick-and-roll defense over the years, like educating, analyzing the game, which is exactly what he asks for and is fully capable of. I think Draymond, well, with what we've seen so far, he's a hit, right? Draymond's a hit. People really, sure. people really love Draymond Green, but there's more to him that I think he can do on YouTube and, and with his podcasts and all that uh, than he's done so far. The, uh, he, has so much, he has such high upside. He's I can't. Just, believe, he's just going to lean into it. He, he can't. I, I think just the short term stuff, like you said, Chris. This gets big numbers now, but like people will grow tired of of this type of stuff. Draymond Draymond has significant upside, though. He's just going to lean sure. into it. Oh, he's a hundred percent sure would, thing. You know, would who you else watch I that love? video, Chris? Would you watch Draymond Green? Yes, a, a I six, would. A six you know, minute video of Draymond explaining yes. the mechanics of modern day pick and roll yes. defense. Of course you would. Yeah. I would watch that. I'd pay for that. I'd get you a know, subscription on Substack. Well, and there's been a bunch <laughs> of these guys that have been uh, mega likable recently. Like, you know, obviously JJ's done great job, whatever. Yeah, excellent. I tell you this, you know who's going to be at it for a long, long, long time? McCollum? I I love McCollum. Oh, that's who you were going to say? Oh, I love him. Isn't he good? He's sharp, right? He's great he's delivery. He's so intensely likable. Yeah, he is. He's he really, really good. He really is. Yep. He's an intensely likable guy, CJ McCollum. 
He really is. Um, back to the original point, which was Skip Bayless is friggin' 70. I had no idea. That is the most shocked I've been about an age since maybe I can shock you with this. You know who else? Somebody told me he was 70 like this past year, and I was like, bull crap. Go look at his fit. Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. Really? Yeah, I thought I mean, Leonard Hamilton was like in his 50s. Leonard Hamilton looks unbelievable. He's like the same age as like Coach K or something. And I was like, what? No way. Coach K looks his age. I know. How old is Leonard Hamilton? Seriously. It was over 70. He's 73 years old. Yeah, he That's definitely doesn't look 73. That's the craziest thing I've yeah. ever heard. <laughs> Leonard Hamilton being 73, <laughs> the most shocking thing. Uh, I had no idea. Bro, my dad is 75. And let's just say he looks nothing like Leonard Hamilton. <laughs> Leonard Hamilton looks like, I mean, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, maybe him and uh, Skip Bayless looks a lot more 70 than Leonard Hamilton does. I promise you that. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, a couple other things from our buddy Mark Stein that I found interesting about free agency coming up. One of the things he reported, you know, just chatter that he had heard from people was, A, whenever there's chatter about these particular guys, the sentiment out there amongst people in the know is that they're not going anywhere. They're going to return to their teams. And he mentioned the Portland guys, Nurkic and Simons, totally unsurprising considering Damian Lillard's still there, right? So they're, they're trying to have a team. Those guys, both extremely valuable pieces to them. Them going back there uh, would be unsurprising. The other one was that I did find a little interesting was Looney. He mentioned that, you know, the word on the street is that Looney was a real part of them winning another title, their fourth championship, and that the expectation that Kevon Looney is going to be back in Golden State. Yeah, I've heard the same there. Yeah, that he'll be back. Wow. Sounds like 330, 440, something like that for Looney. We'll see. Really? Yeah. I wondered if he was going to be one of those guys where the market just gets really big for him, right? That somebody out there is like, you know what? He's still young. We'll pay Kevin. We'll pay Kevin Looney to come be our center, um, and that that would be like a sacrifice that just has to be made once you're once you're paying that uh, you know tax on tax on tax on tax on tax, right? That the price of those guys 
even if you are spending a bunch of money, you're not sp- you're not paying them whatever contract gets reported. The cost that you have is much greater than whatever contract you agree to, simply because of repeater taxes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they're going to be a pricey roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens, what the loony number actually is once it's determined. If Gary Payton comes back, among others on that team too, it could it could uh, get a little bit crazy for Joe Lakeup's pockets. Well, all right, so we're going to be on Friday, and we'll be talking about all of these things that happen in free agency. Give me just a couple of free agents that you're most interested in. What happens with them? Because, Kevin, it seems like a lot of the big ones, most people think they're just going to sign with their teams. Maybe we'll get a surprise, but like Levine going back to the Bulls and Beal signing with the Wizards, on and on and on. But who really intrigues you leading up to the end of this week? We haven't talked about Jalen Brunson today. Um, with Brunson, there's still a lot of stuff out there about the Knicks making a offer over $100 million for four years, which... We'll see if that prices out Dallas or uh, whether they end up wanting to match that at the the final minute to bring him back. So he's very interesting to me. Um, if the Knicks don't get Brunson, who would they instead try to sign? Is it a Colin Sexton? Is it a Miles Bridges? Is it, I mean, uh, who who would it be? I don't know. This isn't an amazing class, you know, but I'm curious to see where a guy like Colin Sexton goes if he has to sign an offer sheet somewhere, you know, even, even a Mo Bamba. Right. A guy like that, some of the Malik monks of the world, like some of these kind of middle tier free agents, where are they going to go? Are they going to stay with their teams? A Tyus Jones type, obviously, even with Memphis, which team is going to be targeting a really, really good backup point guard? Nick Claxton mentioned him in passing earlier, who I think is really good. Um, So some of these guys around the edges that could make a difference on a roster, where are they going to go? Who's going to pick them up? Um, But the main guys, Bridges, Brunson, uh, I'm thinking about them a lot right now. I've still got every bit of my Colin Sexton stock. I think he's going to be one that people can get on a hell of a contract. And maybe he just does the short-term, you know, I I go play it out somewhere rather than lock in for a long amount of time and I reclaim, you know, my my place in the league and then We'll, we'll go back into free agency yeah. a year from now because nobody's seen me play in a year. Um, I would absolutely take a flyer on him for sure on Sexton. And if I could get it, I'd even sign him up long-term if I could get him on a really reasonable deal. He just feels like one of those because he's coming off the injury that could end up being one of those great, great contracts in the league. And then I've got to tell you, Kevin, my producer in Memphis, who you know, John Roser, I said, we're going through the free agency. I said, Memphis, you know, they need another guy. They need another big that can space the floor and can knock down some shots. Man, I'm telling you, he talked me into Mo Bamba yesterday. Oh, and baby. I thought, oh, my God, Kevin would move here full time. I could get O'Connor to I could get Ke- the president of the Bomba Leavers. <laughs> I could get him full time. If I if I could get Mo Bamba. I'll take a job with the Grizzlies. I know it. Assistant to the assistant general manager or something like that. There you go. <laughs> could you imagine Mo Bamba? I mean, there's not a lot of bigs that can shoot, by the way, that are out there. So 
No, there's not. There's not. Pretty, pretty valuable player, huh? Well, yeah. Well, look, if you've got a Morant, <laughs> if you've got a Luca, if you've got a Trey, if you got a, you know what I mean? Like the the spacing all the way down to the to the center can be very, very, very helpful. Very helpful. Right? Anybody that you can play it, that position it, and can stretch the floor. You got huh? the vision. You see it. Oh, I just say anybody that can anybody that can space the floor from that position. He shot pretty well from three. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. The Bomb Believers unite. They're not paying him in Orlando, are they? This makes my morning. <laughs> oh, I'd have a Bomba jersey in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this makes my morning, Chris. I'm so happy right now. You're, uh, on, you're, on the, you're a Bomb Believer with me. I love it. Uh, last thing. How excited were you? Because now you get to use your phrase again. Who's going into Clifford's big red doghouse? Oh, Speaking of Mo I can't Bamba, believe it. I couldn't believe it. I feel so bad for Mark Williams, Chris. <laughs> he's he, he's not going to play. <laughs> They're going to bring back Mason Plumley, and Plum, Plumley's going to play ahead of Mark Williams. No chance. It's, it's over. From, I'm selling all my Mark Williams stock that I had. <laughs> Who else is going into the big the Clifford's big red doghouse? Isn't it? Isn't it funny they brought him back? Oh my goodness! What what a, what a weird you know set of uh, events that happened. You bring in Kenny Atkinson. You're interviewing Mike D'Antoni, and then nobody wants to be second choice. Steve Clifford is like, I'm the ex. Take me back. Um, well, like there. Look, we're comfortable with him. He's comfortable with us. Let's run it back. Had some success here. It's some fun teams. Yeah, Kemba teams. That's fun teams, right? Yep. For Mark Williams, that's tough. It's tough. <laughs> do, do, do you now feel differently about his projections in the NBA? I mean, I never know with Clifford, man. <laughs> You know this. He's going to run them bastards into the ground. That's what you do know. Mm -hmm. Whoever he plays, he's playing them a lot. And they're going to get yelled at. That's yeah. what we do know. He's, good. he's a good basketball I know, coach. I know, I know. He he just hates young people. That's all. He's good. He's a good basketball coach. When he's had good <laughs> rosters, the guy is a good basketball coach. Yeah, he's coach a good basketball sure. coach. He just hates young young players. That's all. That are named Mo. That's all. I'll tell you this. It's going to be fascinating to see if there's a love fest with uh, him and LaMelo or if that goes sideways. Oh, yeah. That's going to yeah. be fascinating. Yeah. Not exactly the two I would put as these guys are going to get along famously. Yeah, I, I agree there. I, right? I do. Yeah. If that's your franchise guy, yeah, I'm not so sure that I would go with one of the old heads. But maybe yeah. who knows. I'd have just hired, I'd have just paid D'Antoni and let the LaMelo go average 30 15 and 15 for the season. It's a strange hire. And sell a bunch of tickets. It's a strange hire to bring him back. Yes. We agree on that. But at know. least we get to bring back your phrase. So I like that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. We'll see if we can use it, though. Oh. Maybe Mark Williams goes out there and has Make a Make no year. mistake. We will get to use it one way or another. I think we will. Yeah. Yes. James Booknight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you're Welcome. Done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> you are done. <laughs> yeah, it's over. You might, yeah. The we might see you at the now. The We're going to see you now. at the end of your rookie deal, brother. It's <laughs> <laughs> a man to trade now, James Book's night. <laughs> uh, by Friday, the league will be shaken up. And we will be back for our Friday episode. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez. As always, Kevin, I will talk to you on Friday. I'm really looking forward to this Friday's episode, Chris. It'll be good.